I felt it appropriate to um, visit uh, a, a place of scripture that I, I was praying. I, I didn't know where uh, this week, but I was asking the Lord. I was trying to be sensitive um, to his leading um, because I, I wasn't sure. It's, it's kind of hard to tell where anyone is going to be at because we're not going to see each other, at least all of us. We, a number of us saw each other in different sizes and forms and shapes throughout the week, but I wasn't going to have a chance to see the church until today, and, and therefore you don't really get a chance to put your finger on where people are at. But it wasn't far-fetched for me, just given what I've been able to tune into and see going on around our nation, to, to guess and to suspect that our people could be impacted to some extent. And therefore, it's not something you want to assume that we're all on the same page about. And even if we are on the same page, I know that we rub shoulders with, maybe not hands, um, people that we go to work with, school, I know school's out now for many of us, if not all of us by now, family and friends who may not know the Lord, or maybe their walk is a little shaky, where they may not be looking at what's going on all that right. And so you probably would agree with me that just by a glance at what people have been saying and thinking and the sort of news that has just come out one after another, it really shows you what drives a lot of people's lives. In fact, if you've been in department stores or, or Costco's or any place where people have had to, to be, and you're around people, you really see a lot of what drives a lot of people's lives. And a lot of times I notice that it's, it's really not until suffering takes place, um, it's not until something like this that comes close to home for a lot of people that you really find out about yourself. I mean, I, I would like to believe that I'm a man of God. I would like to believe that I'm a person of faith. I would like to believe that I believe the book and God's word said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, it's a cute saying, but uh, once COVID-19 comes through, right, and you start learning a little bit about how this can spread and how it could be transmitted, or you learn a little bit about what has already taken place with other countries and the measures they've taken, uh, things change a bit for some people. Paul is writing to a church where they thought that they would like to say that they believed everything that he taught them. And Paul is writing to this church because he's unable to get there. He's unable to be there in their presence. And so he's hoping that with what he says, that no matter what may be driving the people around them, they're going to choose to have something else drive their lives. And I think that's important for us. In fact, he opens up here in the text in verse 27, and he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the coronavirus. No, no, that's not what it says. No, it says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of what? The gospel. The gospel. Gospel of Christ, so that whether I come, I'm able to actually physically attend, or it's going to be live streamed, uh, or I'm absent and I live stream this message, I may still 
hear of you that you're fighting each other in aisles in Costco over toilet paper? No. That I may hear of you that you are standing firm. That you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for what? The faith of the gospel. You see, we got a decision to make anytime our lives personally or our lives collectively are faced with what we're presently being faced with. And I'll have an opportunity um, by the time this message is done to be able to have a, a word or two with you that's just related with the church as far as um, questions you may have. Because I know a lot of churches have made a number of decisions as far as today and the coming weeks are concerned. And here we are, we're gathered. And so I want to be sure before our time concludes um, during this worship service that we'll have a chance to, to say a few things. And I, I also want to hear from you as a church and what thoughts and, and comments or questions you may have before we pray for our church, for our city, for our churches, for our nation, for our leaders on both local and federal levels so that God may be pleased to have, have his way. But, but for right now, I want us to understand we have an opportunity to allow one of two things drive us. Is it going to be fear or is it going to be faith? You see, at the end of the day, that's what matters. And whether or not we can say what the source of this issue is or not, and we can't up till now, one thing we know for sure, God is sovereign and God in his providence, we've been in the book of Ruth, God's providence is seen not only in his blessings, God's providence is seen even in the suffering and the challenges that his people have to undergo. Regardless of whether my own sin or faults have brought it upon me, or whether it's just simply the result of living in the world like the one that we live in. God's involved. And a lot of times people are pressed to believe, you know what? I don't see how God could, this is like a pause in a lot of people's lives. And I'm thankful, not for COVID-19 in and of itself, I'm thankful for the way in which if we allow God and we allow what God wants to do with it, could do in our lives as a church and in our lives in relationship with God. But that's a choice. And that's what Paul is saying here. This is a choice. You can let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, or you can let it be worthy of something else. You could allow one thing to be the driving force in your life, or you can allow a whole nother belief system to be the driving force in your life. I can't speak for the world, but I can speak for the church. I could speak for us. I could speak for myself, and I could speak for what God wants out of his church. Here, Paul is not saying that our relationship with God and the way in which we live earns us a right for the gospel or for our salvation when he says only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel what he's saying is you're already saved this is the same Paul that said that it's by grace that you and I of God what Paul is saying is the same grace that justified me is the same grace that's supposed to sanctify me the same grace that brought me into a relationship with God is the same grace that's supposed to sustain that relationship with God. And a lot of times we think Jesus is good with how to get saved and how to deal with my sins and how to get me to heaven. But I'm not too sure he knows 
how to deal with what's going on here with this issue that we're dealing with. I mean, I mean, that's above his pay grade, is it? Is it really? I don't think so. And Paul is saying here, don't ditch Jesus as soon as you got your sins forgiven. Make sure that he's every bit a part of this manner of life of yours. And it's so easy, isn't it? To check off the right things to believe as a Christian. But when it comes down to brass tacks, when it comes down to it, we allow something completely different to drive our lives. And Paul is saying, that's not worthy of the gospel. There's a kind of a life that speaks much of Jesus and his place in my life. And there's a kind of a life that just gives lip service to that. And Paul is saying, choose the former, don't choose the latter. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. In other words, if you believe that Jesus is all of this and some, and if you believe that Jesus has done all of this for you, and he continues to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, then make sure that your life testifies to that reality. You see, Jesus conquered fear. Fear is our Goliath. Fear was standing before us as David came out and he looked and he's saying, what's all the buzz about? Why are you guys scrambling from one place to another? Why is nobody, who, who, who is this? That's Goliath. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? And what did David do? He stood against him toe to toe. Not because of the strength that he had in and of himself, but because of the strength that he had in his God. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. We serve a greater David, is what I'm trying to say. Jesus is that greater David, who when he came, he came to conquer and to destroy sin and Satan and death and fear and fear once and for all. So fear no longer has a voice in your life and in my life. God's word does. And Paul says here, make sure that that gospel speaks that news to you. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear something from this church. I may hear something about this church. Where is Paul? Paul's in prison. Remember what Paul said in verse 12, I need you to know something. I need you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You see, what, what is happening? He's imprisoned. The man's quarantined, like many folk in Dallas right now. The man's in like a prison-like situation. Anybody relate? How many limitations in just one week have been placed on us? And we're thinking, can we survive? Can we make it? What will happen to me? And Paul is in that very situation. And he says, the very thing that I thought was going to prevent God's purpose from going forward in my life is the very thing that God was pleased to use in my life. See, a lot of people think God's work is on hold because of what we're going. You can, you can place a state of the emergency all you want. You can declare a national emergency all you want. You can talk about social distancing but God's work is still going forward. His kingdom is still going forward. Jesus is still who he is. People are still getting saved, and his message is still true. And Paul said, I need you to know that. 
Because when I went into prison, I didn't believe it. If the truth be told, I actually was beginning to question what God was up to. God, wait a second here. Because it wasn't his sin that brought him into prison. It's not your sin that brought this COVID-19. It's like, what is it that I did? I don't see how I could serve you. I gave you my life, God. And I told you, use it as you please. And I was busy. You saw the fruit of your hand in my life. Why this? In my mind, in my estimation, this is only putting on hold your purpose and plan for my life. But God said, just wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Just be patient. Trust the process. And so Paul, in prayer, entrusted himself, like we sang about, into God's hands, in prison, in this tight spot like you and me are in right now. God wants you, like Paul had to, entrust yourself. Yes, mayor may say this, governor may say this, and here, here's the thing. This, thing. this thing is still transpiring. We don't know. I don't want to be somebody who, who says more than needs to be said. I don't want to add to fear in people's lives, but at the same time, I want to be wise and sober in my assessment and take all the cautions that I believe God is leading me to comply with to take. And so things could unfold. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But we're going to pray that God says otherwise. But if they do, we know that God is in control. And even if I may not see why it is, he has reasons. But what I'm saying is this. We don't know. Paul didn't know. But Paul did know who his God is. You see, this is the hope for the believer. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You go to God. Paul didn't know what to do. He didn't have control over his situation. Am I going to die? Am I going to see the light of day? Am I going to be out there again planting churches and bringing the gospel to people who need it? Or am I going to remain here? But one thing I can do is entrust my life into the hands of the one who does know. And he did. And guess what? Revival broke out. Who knows if God wouldn't be pleased to want to take a situation like this and bring about a revival because God is touching lives. God is touching idols. He's touching people's confidences that they should have never had in the first place. God is touching soft spots. He's touching vulnerable areas in people's lives. And notice, it's not just, it's not just the places that we think deserve it. A lot of times we've had national disasters and we say, of course, that's San Francisco. We know about San Francisco. It's Vegas. It's you name it. Name a country. That's the one thing I noticed this week. Everybody's impacted. The, the playing field has been leveled. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody could say, you see, you should be a nation like ours. He came after that nation. He came after this nation. It doesn't matter who it is to let us know. Don't put your confidence in your nation. Don't put your confidence in the corner of the world that you live in. He's coming after Wall Street. He came after all sorts of areas that you would think would be exempt from something like this. To do what? To crush us? No. But so that men and women across this world might turn to God. Paul turned to God in the middle of his situation in prison. And he says, I need you to know what happened. 
I need you. I know you know how. I know you know part of the story. I know you know I'm in here, but you don't know what has happened since I've been in here. You see, I know you know I've been quarantined. I know you know I got cut back in my hours at work. I know you know that I didn't get paid the same with my two-week paycheck. I know you know that my job got hit as a result of the NBA shutting down or some other business, large corporation closing down. But I need you to know how God has used that situation. Maybe you're just in the beginning part of the season of your life and all of this week and all you experience is, is the pain from it. But I want you to know that there's a God to look to right now. Paul, the same God that Paul had the ability to look to and he delivered, God came through, is the same God that you and I can look to today. Notice Paul said, it's advanced the gospel, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Why was it that it served to advance the gospel? In the beginning passage that I quoted earlier in verse 28, Paul says, church, don't be frightened in anything, 128, by your enemies. Don't be frightened in anything by COVID-19. This is a clear sign to the world of their destruction, if Christ is not their life, but of your salvation and that from God. You see, Paul had the opportunity. He says, look, I can take what's been dealt me and I can respond to it in the exact same way that I see everybody else on social media responding to it, or I can say, God, give me eyes to see. Give me a perspective. Give me vision. Give me clarity. Help me to understand. I don't know who to believe. I don't know what report to go off of. I don't know which health and human services director to buy, but I can trust in you. I can trust in you because you never give a conflicting report. God's word remains true no matter what, and he did. And guess what? The gospel was advanced. My prayer is that as we're going forward, is that we would be a witness to our friends and our family and to this world. 1 Peter 3 and 15, Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that lies within you but do it with gentleness and with respect. Notice, people will come to you. Start asking, wait a second here. What hope do you have? You see, has it ever occurred to you? Why is it that I don't get as many people asking me for the hope that lies within me? Well, I won't if my hopes are exactly the same as the world's. What, what makes me and my life and my relationship with Jesus and my hope in him stand out is when I'm actually living my life by it. They're like, wait a second here. How come you're not reacting the same way everybody else is reacting? How come you don't have 20 cases of toilet paper in your garage? How, how come you're, you're not all over the map with what you think you need? How come you're not under a rock? How come you're not feeling the same way we are? Be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks you. And it's an opportunity to be able to say, you sure you want to know? It's because of Jesus. Let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me tell you about this good news. Let me tell you about this God who's, who's taken away all of my fears, 
Let me tell you about this one where I was just like you before he was ever a part of my life. But let me tell you about the difference that this God has made in my life. You see, what God wants us to have is a hope that transcends the fears that we see all around us. When we do, what do we see here in this situation? We see God's purpose prevailing. We see God's purpose working in and through each of your lives. I want to encourage you. I want you to be sensitive too, church, to the people who maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? Um, I'm doing good. Uh, I haven't really been impacted. I've seen what's been going on, but I think I'm doing fine. But how about your neighbor? How about the person in your circle? Have you cared at all? Are there, are there people who, who fit some of the risk factors, the groups who are most at risk in our society? Are, have, you made, have you used that confidence, that fearlessness as an asset in your life, as a resource, so that you could be more used? It's not to just enjoy it to yourself. It's to say, look, if I'm doing this fine, if I'm doing this good, and it hasn't caused me to bat an eye, then God... Allow me, while I'm in this state of normalcy, to be available to those who are not. I think that's the prayer that God wants us to have. Lord, because if you open my eyes, I know that there are people who are not reacting to this whole situation the way I am. Help me to be available. Help me to be a presence in these people's lives. Allow me to be your arms, your hands, and your feet in the lives of those that you send me to. Guess what? God will use you. God will use you. God will use you. And Jesus will be lifted up. And people will see the hope in your life as you don't allow fear to be the driving force of your life, but the gospel, the gospel that you've trusted in, not just to forgive you of your sins, but to live your life by. To live your life by. Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of not just my profession of faith for forgiveness of sins. He's worthy of my life, even after he does so. He's not worthy just at the beginning of my Christian life. He's worthy all the way to the end. Let's show the world this. Amen?